Welcome to Word is Truth. This is Doug Presley. Uh, we're continuing where we left off. It is 5-30-2021, and we're going to continue with the thought of the week and prayer. Thought of the week. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes. Having the benefit of living post-Pentecost, there are a lot of things I can see that the disciples could. I can see what the church has done with these greatest of times. I can see how the church developed over the centuries and their attitude towards this revelation. What I combine should be the greatest importance in understanding what this great age means is to allow our Lord to characterize his significance. Let us allow his perspective to rule when it comes to the implication of the spirit of truth. That is the first thought, the title. The spirit of truth is given to the coming of God, the Holy Spirit. I have heard much talk about the significance of Pentecost, but now, but not much attention is given to the pastors and his title given by our Lord. If I allow the Lord to lead with his perspective and his directions, I would think truth will be the greatest expectation. I would think we would be focused on, on the church for that would soon be revealed. I would think we should expect to build on what Jesus began to teach in those critical chapters. Remember, Jesus is Lord. Allow him to lead us. Well, we look at this whole thing about when the spirit of truth comes, we also have to agree that it came during Pentecost. When Christ prophesied about this before in the Gospels, saying that the Spirit of truth is going to come to reveal such things that I have taught you. But when Dow, they couldn't see it. But when the Spirit of truth came in at the Pentecost, they could see exactly what Christ was telling them that would come. So the whole thing about the Lord of the Week is, is the question was, but when he the spirit to come. Thank God that he came to teach us these things. So at this time, we'd like to give this service over to Bill to lead us in prayer. Okay. Thank you, Dave. But this time, as we normally do, if there's someone standing in the prayer, we have someone uh, we bring it forth that we may honor them in prayer. Okay. So there is Thank you once again, O oh Father, that you've given us this day. We thank you that you brought us thus far, O oh Lord, and we pray that you continually bless us and give us the things we need that we may grow closer to you, O oh Lord. Father, we want to pray for all of Lord's Truth Church. We want to pray for today's message, O oh Lord. We want a special prayer for those who didn't make it today, that you keep them safe, O oh Lord, and you bring them back to us as you normally do. Father God, these are all blessings we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> thank you, Bill. And thank you, Dave. Appreciate that. Uh, we're going to continue where we actually left off 
uh, we started on the 23rd dealing with this one verse which is so faceted multifaceted we must say and we'll get right into it because we got a lot of ground to cover and i don't think today will be the end of uh, john 16 13. this is where we are it says but when he the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth he will not speak on his own he will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come so in your notes today many are talking about the holy about the holy spirit and rightfully so he makes a tremendous difference in our lives today if we're going to talk about the holy spirit we should begin with what our lord said about him to me what jesus says guides my thinking on what this new age is all about and what would be the Spirit's role. I think we have far more information than we think and there should be no ignorance on how the Spirit works. That would be an ideal for uh, an ideal world. However, that is not the case. The Spirit of Truth is mixed up with emotion and fanaticism and to that extent many are far from what Jesus told us about the Spirit. Let us take our time with these very precious words of our Lord. And that's what we are doing. We are taking our time. So we dealt with the first phrase, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes. And uh, we talked about the context, uh, how the spirit came uh, in those earlier verses to the world. You know, when he comes, he will convict the world. So he has a dual role. He has a special role to those who are unbelievers. And what he's saying is there's new information, right? We know now who Christ is. We know that he has, uh, was crucified under Pontius Pilate and buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Then uh, he was resurrected. Uh, he, he sojourned in, in this world for about 40 days. And then he was he ascended into uh, heaven uh, at the right hand of the father so now he sends the spirit back to uh to come just like he promised he would send the spirit he talked about a lot about what he would do and so those instructions that he gave are very important so we want to make sure we understand them and we went over, I think we talked about uh, some of the verses where he promised the Spirit's coming all the way down to the context of uh, chapter 16 and verse 8, where he says, when he comes, he will convict the world of sin. So we dealt with that. We, if we cannot go over all of it again. <clears throat> so we talked about the Spirit of truth is God, God, the Holy Spirit. Um and then we said he will guide you and we talked about the word guide and what that meant so not only is the spirit exposing us to truth but he's encouraging empowering us to walk in truth and that's uh, that, that is important i mean it's just as jesus was encouraging the disciples 
to believe what he was saying. He's believe me when I tell you that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on the evidence of the works themselves. He was encouraging them, guiding them, leading them, right? He was the leader. So anyway, the Holy Spirit will be, to, be doing the same thing in that regard. So we, we dealt with, he will guide you. But then we got into this, into all the truth. So the Holy Spirit will guide us into all the truth. And that's where we um, didn't have enough time. We sort of uh, need to take some time to talk about what is all the truth. Because this is the goal of God the Holy Spirit, is to guide us into all the truth. And you know, I don't have this in my notes, but I'm thinking about it as I say this. Sometimes that happens and you can update your notes. But if you think of the Spirit's goal in guiding us into all truth, I think of two verses. One is in Ephesians chapter 3. What does that mean? I would say it means verse 19. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. If, if the Holy Spirit's objective is to guide us into all truth, then here we are... We, this is obviously the pinnacle of our spiritual growth here in Ephesians 3.19. I mean, we could go back and look at some of the previous verses that we may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, to me, that is a pinnacle of spiritual understanding and enlightenment. <clears throat> so that would also coincide with the Spirit's leading us into all the truth. And then there's Ephesians chapter 4, the second verse that it makes me think of, where verse 12, it is, so Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors, teachers, verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So when we think about those verses, it is we have to say that that is literally what the Holy Spirit is doing in us to get us to the place where we are uh, looking face-to-face -face at those verses and what they mean. So, into all truth is huge. I can't write enough points here about what all truth means. Uh, there's so much. As I'm talk thinking about it, what we could say about it is that the Holy Spirit's objective is to lead us into all truth. So, we, we this is where we end it. We'll pick up right here. So, First point is if the spirit of truth is coming to guide the disciples, and I'll pick up to where we got off, left off last week. I'm going to summarize up to this to that point. <clears throat> so it says to guide the disciples into all the truth. Then for sure we didn't have all the truth. Some people don't quite understand that, and they don't value what God has done by bringing the Holy Spirit and saying the things that he said. <clears throat> for some reason they don't value that. And they said, what is truth? And we, we gave our scripture, sanctify them by the word of truth, uh, by the truth, your word 
is truth. So God not only has told us, exposed us to what truth is, and this is what the Holy Spirit's job is, but he would also uh, have the truth committed to writing. Your word is truth. We have the truth contained in the epistles uh, and books of the New Testament. And the letters there that are, are given are what Jesus is saying, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. We have the completed, what we would say, the completed canon of Scripture. What, what that is to say is man has canonized the Scripture, but it is God who gave us the fullness of what we needed to complete the, the truth of what God had wanted to give us. And we said, what is truth? Well, Pilate asked that question, remember? Pilate, but he asked it in a snarky way, you know, like, uh, like you don't know truth. Jesus says, all that are of the truth, listen to me. And Pilate was like, what is truth? He doesn't, he's not saying he wanted to know what truth was. He was saying truth is such a relative word and you don't know what truth is. So, so truth the definition, since we know about truth is contained in the word of truth, right? The word is truth. Right? Truth, then, is God's revelation. God has to give us truth. We, the, this world is in darkness. We're born in sin. We're born separated from God and his light. We're born condemned. We're born with a sin nature that further separates us from God by the thinking that we have, which is infused by Satan. So, but God's truth then is his revelation, his reality, his perspective, the way he thinks, the articulation of God in writing. And it's not just in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament. The Old Testament contained what we would say is truth, God's perspective of things. God's view of things. That's what we're after when we read the Bible. We're not trying to find out how, how we can benefit or gain something. We're trying to find out God's perspective. So point D, truth is found in the 39 books of the Old Testament scriptures, but all the truth completes the revelation of God to man and is revealed by the spirit of truth. And we gave some scriptures in Colossians 1, where Paul literally says these words, he says, I'm here to complete, to bring to fullness uh, the revelation to the church, right? And, and that literally is to say that we have the fullness of truth now. God expects us to walk in his perspective. The whole, and now when we talk about the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth, we can say is... Truth is, your word is truth, and the Spirit can illuminate the word of God for us. And that's what's important, right? Because we can't tell you what the word means. The Holy Spirit, if this is God's perspective, who better to tell us what God's perspective is uh, than God himself? No one is better. Right? I can't tell you what God thinks. Only God can tell us what God thinks, and that's what he does. And he, he, there's a verse in 1 Corinthians 2, which I could have put in here. Again, another here's another one of those thoughts, where it says, what, 
man knows the thoughts of man except the spirit of man that is in him. In the same way, this is 1 Corinthians 2, in the same way, no man knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And these things have been freely given to us, right? Because we have received the spirit. And that is the thought. It is now we actually have God's perspective. And he's not just chiming in on the 39 books that are found in the Old Testament scriptures. That, that's not the point. He, he's been doing that. He was there in the Old Testament trying to reveal the meaning of, of what was written as well. But, but God has new information available to us. It's not just, well, let me tell you what those 39 books mean. And here's a summarization of what some people who have falsely come up with these cute sayings and, and things like that to make it all simple. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed, right? They, they come up with all these things, but these things don't satisfy what the scriptures say. That's not true. Well, let's just put it this way. In some ways, it is true. Well, like when New Old Testament talks about Christ to come and the Messiah and all that. Well, the New Testament says, hey, this is who it is. It, it reveals who the Messiah is. Yeah, all that's true. But what is left is the fact that God brought new revelation. You cannot leave that on the table. Right? Because... Jesus was revealed before Pentecost came to be. Right? It, he was crucified uh, on the cross. He died under Pontius Pilate, all that. It wasn't until after, until Pentecost, 50 days later, that God sent the Spirit. And then this new revelation began to be taught and explained. And the Holy Spirit articulated it and so forth. So it's important that we don't just say, oh, yeah, yeah, Old Testament, yeah, it's nothing, right? What we really have is the same word. They're trying to harmonize the scriptures, but not at the expense of truth, not at the expense of missing out on this greatest revelation called the, Paul calls it a mystery, saying it was hidden from Old Testament view. They couldn't see it. So if they couldn't see it, then the New Testament can't be the Old Testament revealed, right? It can't be because it wasn't given at all. So we need to think about what God has told us about this new revelation. So then, point E, there's, there's a danger in resisting the spirit of truth. It leads to rejection of truth. You turn your back on God's revelation. Don't expect that you understand God. You've... You turned your back on God. So, resulting in man being left to their own imaginations. And we read Romans 1, 20 through 25. It is not pretty what man has done because they have rejected truth. Uh, it continues to go on today. It, it's something that is not over in the first century. It continues. So, what else? We, we talked about truth. So, this is where we were starting to get to. Um, so... But I thought that was important. Since the Spirit is guiding us into all truth, then truth is not simply defined by what the Bible says, but what the Bible means or teaches. This is an important distinction. This is point F, 3F. 
And why do I say this is an important distinction? It's because we need the Holy Spirit to interpret what truth is. I will just give a quick illustration of this. In my rendering of what is salvation and all of that, now we talk about the Jews, they had these problems. One was they distorted salvation into a system of works of the law. Right. And then second, they rejected out of hand. They said, no way. We're the chosen people. There's no church chosen. No, there's no individuals chosen in him. It's us. We're the chosen people. We're not giving that up. They refused. So those two problems they had. But really, you know, I had the same issue as the Jews did on the first one. I looked at salvation and I thought, well we got to do works in order to be saved. God's just not going to save you. Come on. Don't you understand? Right? I had that belief at one point. That was rational, reasonable to me, that God was going to expect us to do something, to work for our salvation. So we, we had that as part of our theology even. But you know what? Until the spirit of truth came, I couldn't see that. I couldn't understand that that was the truth, that it was by grace that we are saved, through faith. And it's not from ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, I had that same scripture before, but for some reason, it was hidden, for, I, and it was me, right? Obviously not allowing the spirit of truth to tell me what that meant. So when the spirit of truth told me what that meant, Everything changed. It was like my eyes were opened. It was like somebody took cold water and just thrust it, threw it in my face. And then I'm like, what? It was such a stark difference. And of course, the difference wasn't that, wow, now there was some numerical thing in the word that now I put the numbers together. and I, No, it was, the difference was that I was able to see the scripture for what it was, what it was really teaching. I couldn't get that perspective on my own. I couldn't, it, in fact, when presented with that perspective, I would say that's foolishness, no way, uh-uh, no. That would be the last thing I believe. And yet, it is the first thing I believe. So that's the difference, and I bet you know, and this has been going on for me a lot, right? I'm reading the scriptures and God is showing me things. I'm saying the same thing is going on for you. You're getting the same thought, right? You could probably nod your head and say, yeah, that happened to me, that salvation thing. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see it either. And, and yeah, I've been continuing to learn about more things in the word of God. I saw the mystery. I saw this. Now, all of that is the spirit teaching us. Through the word of truth. The words are there. Why can't we believe them? Because humanly speaking, it's not within our purview. It is not. But now, even if we are, because salvation has been around a long time, right? It's, it's, we're not talking about the mystery or something that has been hidden, that's been hid in God, never revealed. We're talking about things that have been revealed, and, and we can't even get with that. It's not like, well, it's been there a thousand years, so now man is on top of that and man gets it. No, we still need God the Holy Spirit to make it understandable to us.
there's we resist what does not seem familiar or logical but logical is based on our human reasoning so that's why we can't get to the spirit's teaching because we're, we're logically reasoning from a human standpoint so that's why i say it's an important distinction because when you read when you read the word and the spirit illuminates you to it it's just like Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it's going to sound odd and strange and bold to believe it this way, but literally, that is what God is saying. And once you integrate what God is saying and you accept it, you believe it, that is, and you apply it as foundational, things begin to fall in place. You have allowed the spirit of truth to teach you about this. Now, it's contagious. Well, let me allow the spirit of truth to teach me about something else. And over here, over here too. That is how the spirit, but it's always through the word of truth. He's illuminating the revelation of God. Look, there are a lot of people right now that deny salvation. This is in the church, just like where I was. There's still people who refuse to believe. Thousands of years of resistance. The Jews had a pattern of resisting the Holy Spirit. Do you think the church does? Absolutely. They have a pattern of resisting the Holy Spirit. Don't think, don't think that's not true. So anyway, we, we back to our notes, all the truth. So the Spirit will review what Jesus taught. And this is back to the context Spirit will review what Jesus taught and continue to teach them much more information. That's what he said. He said, I got much more to tell you. And Jesus is the one who teaches us, right? That's what we should keep in mind. It is Christ's teaching. So instead, what I did was I broke these. There were so many points that I broke them down into two categories. One was all the truth principles, right? And then was all the truth verses, so you're going to say versus what? Versus tradition, entertainment, versus emotion, versus man. Versus, and we'll get to all of these things today, I hope. We'll see. And so here, let's get into it. Because some of these we sort of already covered. So we will go over them quickly. So point one, the first point is, um, right, and this, these are principles. to, And there's a lot more, trust me. You can probably add your own to this, I'm sure. Because And that would be good because I get to see how you understand that truth through your personality. It's going to be the same truth, but it's multifaceted in many different personalities. So all the truth will, remember, it will not contradict the previous revelation, but will complete and augment the body of truth to, to man. So when we say we have the body of truth and we have all truth now, doesn't mean we have it. It's available to us. And it will not contradict. Uh, the, remember, if God's plan is revealed in terms of dispensations or phases, right? He doesn't give us everything the moment Adam and the woman walked on the earth. It was progressive, right? And that's how we, we see it. And that's how it was revealed, right? And even the mystery, which is revealed at Pentecost, was God didn't reveal it to prior generations, right? He didn't even reveal it to angels. So this is something he hid. So we can know that truth is is progressive. That's how it is. 
uh, it won't contradict what is previously given because it's coming from the same God. It's the same plan. God doesn't have one plan for Israel and then, uh, you know, he, he completely says, well, something totally independent from Israel is the church. Well, he has a different plan for the church, but know that overall it is the same purpose of God, right? Whether he's employing Israel, working with Israel, whether it's his time to reveal and call out those many sons into glory, whether he continues to deal with Israel, all of that is the plan of God from eternity past before he created anything. God already knew that this is what he was going to do, and that's what he did. So point, point number two, entertainment. I'm sorry, point number two is God's revelation is progressive. We covered that, really. And it integrates into the all previous revelation. We'll keep going. Point number three, the new revelation from the spirit of truth is said to be categorized as the deep things of God in contrast to milk. And we covered the scriptures on this, uh, to be sure, um, just to make sure we understand that the analogies, the metaphors given to, you know, oh, solid food, which is meat, you know, or you can talk about milk, which like a baby uh, drinks milk and grows, right? Wow. Just milk, right? I, I look at, we got a, uh, my grandson is, I think he's going on five months now. And wow, has he grown. I saw him since he was like a little pea, a little, a little just a little thing. And, and now he's going on five months. And when I look at the, so the other day I was looking at him on FaceTime and I said, uh, I said, hey man, what's up, Caleb? What's going on? I'm talking to him. He's looking at me, smiling. I'm like, what in the world are you eating? You've gotten so big. Well, he's not eating anything. He, all he's having is milk. He's still a baby, but he's the milk is doing wonders for him. Man, is he growing up by just drinking milk. So it, what a perfect analogy. After, after a while, he won't Milk won't do it for him. He'll need to get some cereal mixed in with it. He'll start to get some solid food. And as he gets older, his teeth and everything will develop. He'll need to eat some solid food. Won't just be, Milk won't do it for him. What a perfect analogy that uh, is categorized as, uh, you know, the strong meat, the milk, Right? There's a lot of different ways Paul does it. And then the writer of Hebrews also does it. By this time, you ought to be teachers. You need to go back and understand the basic principles of the Word of God. That's more how we see it. We see there's a foundation, and you build on that foundation. And you build, and you keep building, right? But you have to have the foundation strong. And then the writer of Hebrews said, you, you, you don't even have the foundation. You need to go back and... and get familiarized with the foundation all over again. So the deep things of God in contrast to milk. So now what we have as far as the mystery, what kind of information is that? Well, the deep things, right? We had milk in the Old Testament. Milk is, uh, is the basics, right? Salvation, right? People in the Old Testament were saved, uh, so obviously the milk was taught. It was taught through Israel. Israel taught the milk, but Israel did not teach the meat of the word. 
Israel did not teach the strong, the solid food that we have as part of the revelation in the church. They did not have it. We have it. So if I were to compare the two, uh, you know, Old Testament theology to New Testament theology, I would say now we have the complete canon of scripture. We have not only the milk, we have the full, the deep things of God. Things that were hid in his heart from return to past. Let's keep going. Um, truth point four. This is H4. Truth is foreign to our knowledge, wisdom, and experience. And that's where we left off last time. I know what a long summary. I know that's what you're saying. But it's, it's foreign to our knowledge, wisdom, and experience. So the way... I think about that is Isaiah 55, 8, and 9. In the Old Testament, that was true. It was still true. It's not something that only became true in the New Testament, that truth is foreign to our knowledge. Listen, people have been having trouble with salvation all the way in the Old Testament. Look at Israel. We said they rejected salvation. You do always resist the Holy Spirit, just as your forefathers did. So do you. They were rejecting Christ to his face. They and then they crucified them that followed Christ. So this is, that's bad if you think about it. So they did not know God, and the fact that they did not know him, it was foreign to them, right? That How could that be? It doesn't even make sense. But God is saying in Isaiah 55, 89, which is a classic verse, that my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. I don't think about things the way you do, I don't do things the way you do. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways and thoughts higher than yours. So God is saying, don't look for me to, to do things and you nod your head and say, yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. God is saying, no, I think totally different. I'm not born spiritually dead. I'm not under the wrath of God. I'm not darkened in my understanding. God is clear on what he thinks. Those things are, are true of us. We're darkened. We're dead in our trance. All of that is true of us, not God. So we should distrust our thoughts, inclinations, and trust God, I'd say. He's the one that's bringing a new perspective. And then there's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 9. Let's look at that. Uh, I know we've read all over these verses. This is a clear chapter that is so important to our understanding. 2.9 talks about, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. So notice how this information is categorized, right? It is, uh, haven't seen this, you won't understand this. But in verse 10, it says these things God has revealed to us, right? How could we have gotten these things? The only way is if God would have revealed them to us. There's no other way if it hasn't been uh, in the purview of our eyes, our heart, or even our minds. God has to reveal these things to us. But God has revealed these to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things. And here it is. Even the deep things of God. That's where we are with this information. So when we say that we have the deep things of God, that's not all we talk about. But we got to talk about the milk of the word too. I like in 1 Timothy chapter 2, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and to come 
to the full knowledge of the truth. So we are ambassadors as well as those who are teaching this new life in Christ. So it's important. So 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10 and then 13. Is, is it possible that we can teach this? That we can not only know this? And verse 13 kind of caps it off. This is what we speak. In other words, yeah, <laughs> we, we have been freely given this stuff. And then this is what we're talking about. Not in words taught us by human wisdom. Yeah, see, perfectly, right? We are those who are speaking the very words and thoughts of God. It's not just reading the Bible. It's just telling people what the Bible means. But in words, listen, taught us by the Spirit. You see that? Taught us. It's not just words that we read, but it's words taught us. There's a special understanding that we get from the Spirit of Truth. And I tried to describe it earlier. And only God, the Holy Spirit, can do it. Now, if you do it, you're going to make a mess. You got to allow God, the Holy Spirit, to teach you a perspective that is unknown, is foreign to our knowledge and wisdom. But the Spirit does it. Explaining spiritual realities. What spiritual realities? Truth. That's what it is. Spiritual realities are literally truth. It's what we said truth was earlier. It's the perspective of God. It's what really is. Right? What we see now is darkness. We can't see. We're separated from God. Who is the reality? And yet, here's what the Spirit does. He explains spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. So by the time we finish with the Word of God, we understand what God has taught us through the Word. What is truth? Sanctify them by the truth. Your Word is truth. The Spirit has taught us the Word. Now, all we have to do is look at the word, and there it is, right there. It's like salvation. It's by grace. It's a free gift. It's not of yourself. But what are all the people saying? Well, it says that, but it really doesn't mean it. It says not of work, but if you don't have works, how can you be saved, right? This is how they reason. They can't understand it until the spirit of truth explains spiritual realities with spirit taught words. That's important. That's the key scripture. Point five, we are not of this world. So John 17, 14, literally. Let's look at that, what Jesus says about the disciples. And, uh, you know, by extension, us as well. So John 17, 14, he says, I have given them your word. Now look at that. I have given them your word. But, you know, in 16, he said he had much more to tell them more than they could now bear. But what he did tell them, you know, he he continued to talk to them all the way through chapter 16. And then he goes to prayer. He says, I got much more to tell you. And he told that much more comes after Pentecost, when the spirit of truth comes. But for what he had to do, he says, I have given them your word. Now, he had much more to tell them than he just gave. We have to say it this way. He has given them an introduction to the church age. That's what he gave. And the world has hated them. Well, we can understand why. Because what they have, the things that he said are outside 
of their theology. Right? They, they don't, they can't understand God. In fact, they're dead. The world, what is the world going to say to things like that? For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. So just like Jesus is not of the world, we're not of the world. I mean, literally, that's what he's saying. In the same way I'm not of the world, they are not of the world. So that's true of us in this age. So we are not of this world. And for us, there is God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that has been destined for our glory before time began. So we're not talking about the world's wisdom, just like we said, it's not in wisdom, human wisdom, which is taught in the world, but wisdom that comes from the spirit. Right? So, so this is First uh, Corinthians 2, 7 and 13. Again, this is like what we were talking about. Right? This wisdom was destined for our glory before time began. So God already knew what his eternal purpose was. He knew he was going to call out those many sons in the glory. He knew he was going to call Israel before that. All of that he knew. And he, all of this is part of his eternal purpose. That's how you have to see it. So God set up the stage. He did all those things so that he could bring many sons into glory. That's why he did all the things that he did. That's why he worked hard and and established Israel and all of the things. And then after the church age is over, he has to complete right, the tribulation and all that. The rapture, tribulation, and millennium, and, and the final judgment. All that is part of the history that he must complete. But all of it is related to his eternal purpose. So then, so those are principles. Can we think about more principles? I hope you can. I hope you, you take your time with these notes and you fill in some things that I have, I have not spoken of here, that I haven't talked about. I'm sure you can find some things. I haven't covered every verse that is relative to truth. So you could certainly think of more principles. <coughs> so this point I is uh, all the truth Verses, right? So when we say verses, why? Why am I saying this? It's because truth is challenged by some things in this world. And a lot of people fall prey to some of these ways of looking at and determining what truth is. When for us, truth is none of those things. For us, it, thy word is truth, right? That's how do we determine truth? We understand that the word is truth. And we need the spirit of truth to interpret and to, uh, to give meaning and definition to the word of God. To us, that's what truth is. So, but to the world and people, even in the church, there's problems about accepting and allowing God, the Holy Spirit, to teach them truth. There are things that get in the way. And some of those things we need to call out. Because it could be that you, you are being hindered by some of these very things that are causing people to stumble when it comes to what is truth. Or allowing the spirit of truth to fully have access to us and to teach us. So we're going to go over these things really. It makes sense. I was going to say really quick. No, we're not. Not going to be going quick. <laughs> so point one 
the spirit of truth, all the truth, versus tradition. So here, with strained and wrinkled brows, we all struggle with the theology of truth compared to tradition. Right? When I say that, that's true for all of us. I'm not picking on anybody by saying this. We all come from some tradition, some culture, some some traditional norms and standards, right, that we have that's accepted, acceptable. And when it comes to the theology of truth, it is foreign to that. Right? People, and you know, if it goes against the tradition or our thinking of what we normally think is normal, this is where we get the word normal from, because it's traditional. Then we reject it. Why? Why do we reject it? Well, it's not what I formally believe. It's not what my mother believed. It's not what's been taught me. Uh, this is the way I've been raised. Uh, we got all kinds of things and excuses. But that is not sufficient. Right? Truth, and I'm saying it, it cuts across your tradition. I don't care what your tradition is. I don't mean I don't care that. Uh, this is not what I'm saying. That I'm not concerned or, or I have disrespect for you. Uh, you know, I, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when it co compares, when it's versus truth, I'm going to side with truth. Now, tradition is something that God, the Holy Spirit, has to work out of you. And when it talks about being, that we're being transformed by the renewing of our minds, th there's a scripture that tells us that we have to stop being conformed to this world. How do we do it? We've got, got to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, to weed out these things that are hindering us from spiritual growth, from growing into all truth, the fullness of truth that we talked about earlier. So we struggle, right? Because it's like the disciples. They were, Jesus was telling them things that were not in their theology. How are they going to handle it? Jesus said, you got to trust me. You believe in God, believe also in me. But if you don't, you know that I'm coming from God. You know, you've, Nicodemus saw Christ do signs, wonders, and miracles. And he was able to say, man, no, nobody can do these things except God is with them. He was able to say that. The disciples were with Jesus day in and day out. Nicodemus might have saw a small portion of the miracles of Christ. The disciples saw all the miracles of Christ, almost. I mean, they could, as much as they could comprehend, it was in their face daily. Christ said, believe me when I tell you, or else, or at least believe on the very works themselves. You saw it yourself. So it cut across. See how hard it was for them, even though they were in the face of change and God's direction, telling them to go this way. Tradition said, no, go that way. And and it wasn't like, okay, I saw God, you demonstrated to me. No, you know what they thought? Well, he probably means for me to go traditionally. Right? Follow my Jewish heritage. Right? Follow my, my, uh, my thinking that I was always raised with. That has to be right. God was changing directions. And they weren't having it. Well, they did have it. They did eventually get with it. They did come to understand. And they did believe. So we know they are part of our foundation. So I'm not picking on them. But I'm trying to help understand how hard it is 
to get out of the traditional way. So Matthew 15, 9. Let's look at Matthew 15 and 9. I got a couple verses here. 15, 9 says, They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Really? Notice, their teaching is in vain. They honor me with their lips and their hearts are far from me. It, it, it's, you're, you're learning and your teaching is in vain. That means good for nothing. Worthless. Of no value. So, what is he talking about? Worship. Worship is how we give back to God what he's given to us, right? Not just in, like, you know, through, you know, giving money, but through giving in terms of our mental acuity, right? God teaches us something spiritually speaking, and this is what we we have as part of our, in our heart. We store it, and when we worship God, all of that, we give back to God We in thankfulness and and uh, understanding and appreciation for who he is and what he has made of us and what he says and who who he is and what we understand of him all of those things is part of those things are part of worship so it's important that we have the correct understanding of who god is but jesus is saying these people here and he's not talking about believers per se he's talking about jews their worship is in vain they're teaching are really just human rules. Right? They they don't really follow. They're off the track. And so all of their worship is good for nothing. It's in vain. And then John 3.9. I'm going to John 3.9. That sounds harsh. And but it's something you should you can think about. What's the reaction? Here's Nicodemus. When he was told, even though he all the stuff he believed. When it came to Christ telling him something, this is what Nicodemus said in 3.9. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. How can this be? Remember, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your, your ways. I has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man to God prepare for those things for people who love him. Nicodemus says, how can this be? be. And I understand that, Nicodemus. I get it. Because you have to come with faith. Jesus says, you believe in God, you got to believe in me. That's what it is. I've demonstrated who I am. Now it's up to you. So tradition is huge. People will fall away because of tradition. Right? Something will be taught as soon as it cuts across their traditional values or their traditional norms and standards guess what they do they revolt and don't think people are very uh, you know unknowing that you could slip some truth in on them you know, as soon as it crosses a little bit across the line you know what they'll say oh hold on you just say, even if they're not theologically fixed they'll be like wait a minute you just violated something and they will let you know don't think they won't. So tradition is huge. The way people do things, for some reason, because they have done them for years and years, they think it's right. And that old saying, it, you know, give me that old time religion. It was good enough for grandma. It was good enough for this one. And it's good enough for me. That's That song is wrong. Right? Don't, 
Don't sing that song. It ain't. It was never good enough for grandma and grandpa and all them. It wasn't good enough for them. And it's not good enough for you. So tradition is not important. Right? It is our sojourn. Yeah, it makes us feel comfortable. Home. I get that. But we are pilgrims and strangers in this world. We're, our home is not here. The feeling of home that we should have is not here. We're heavenly people. Just keep that in mind. Yeah, you're going to be like a fish out of water down here in this world. Yes, the world is going to hate you. Yes, you, you're going to have trouble in this world. All of those things are, are your sojourn here. Okay, so a lot more could be said about that. But let's go to point two. Uh, point two is entertainment. Okay. So some people, there's all the truth versus entertainment. So let's just read this thought. Some people think music and worship styles are, or personalities do not define truth. Well, I think it's just a statement of fact. Music, worship styles, or personalities do not define truth. We should know that. Right? But unfortunately, a lot of people don't. God has believers in every nation. And our call to unity is not our music or dance or style of worship. It is that familiar ring of truth from the spirit of truth, which is the spirit is illuminating the word of God, which is the truth. So it's interesting how, you know, we talked about these styles of worship, uh, you know, how the Corinthians were abusing spiritual gifts in the first century. And Paul called him out on it. He says, hey, whoa, you, you, you're violating, uh, you know, this is a mess. This is, you guys are, are confusing. You know, one person jumps up with a tongue, another person jumps up with a song. Another, there's confusion in your body. He says, I'm a, we need to order this. Let me tell you what tongues are for. Let me explain to you why God gave the gift. Let me, let me do all that. He laid all that out. And yet... And right now, as we speak, there are people who are violating those rules. They are not paying attention to the spirit of truth. They are violating the very rules that are set down in the word of God. So how can the spirit of truth illuminate what is different? It can't. And they just reject what it is. So especially music and worship styles and this whole praise ministry thing that's going on and praising uh, people thinking, you know, they're all, they get emotional about praising God and they think, wow, my emotions, you know, th that is how I'm worshiping and, and everybody ought to be worshiping this way. And, but that's not true. You know, some of the very songs, and listen, I'm not saying this because I don't like songs and, and I don't feel emotionally tied to certain music. I do. I do. I love gospel music. I have to tell you. And some of the gospel music I like, you probably wouldn't like. But that's okay. It's all right that I like some and you like others and vice versa. Maybe I won't like some of the ones you like. That's okay. That's not where we find unity. We find unity in the Word of God. How are we set apart? By the music? By the this? No. Your Word is truth. That's how we're sanctified. So... The entertainment, don't allow entertainment to rule 
the word of God and, and whether or not people are filled with the spirit or something, if they worship a certain way, that, put all that aside. Your music, listen, if somebody, you love this song because it moves you to tears and all these things, but if you take that song over to Germany or, or China or Japan or somewhere and play it, those people aren't going to look at you like, look at that song the same way. They don't have the same cultural and traditional understandings that you do. So just make sure you don't use emotional, you know, activity, which is the third point. Point number three, emotion. So all truth versus emotion. Truth must be apprehended by faith. Emotion is its own confirmation and can feel right, seem right, but can, but can be drastically wrong. So emotion, it's okay to have emotion or respond to, allow emotion to respond to what we have been uh, taught by the spirit of truth. That's okay. But just to uh, teach, you know, emotional behavior is, could, could lead astray because the focus is not on the, the, the truth that is found in the word. The focus is on emotion. So well, emotion is a real thing. But, well, so is truth. But emotions, right, can be felt, right? So a person sheds tears. That Listen, they got tears of joy now all of a sudden. From what? They're, that's an emotional thing. But, but maybe it's not based on truth. You have to think in terms of truth first and then allow your emotions to connect to that truth. But first, you've got to understand truth. Right? If I gave you something, if I did something for you and you are emotional about it, that's okay because you understand what I did. You understand what truth was and you are responding to that truth. But if I just become emotional and just, are, are, you know, emotions are real. There are chemical reactions that happen in the body when we use our emotions. Emotions cannot determine what the Word of God is. And, but the Word of God uh, judges emotion. You can't use emotion to judge the Word of God, but you can use the Word of God to judge emotion. And that's what ought to be done. Romans 16, 17, and 18 is a warning, and we're going to close after this one. Uh, Romans 16, 17, and 18. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Now listen to this. Contrary to the teaching you have learned. That cuts through all traditional, emotional, all that, you know, way we've always done it. Well, the things that you have learned. And there's going to be people who put obstacles and divisions in your way. You need to be aware. Keep away from them. Verse 18, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And that word appetites, it means emotions. That's what you would think, well, they should be worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. But no, they're getting their instruction from emotion. 
And that's what they're serving. So what do you mean they're serving? They're allowing emotion to be put on a pedestal. And everything they do is in service to emotion. That's bad. That is a bad thing. So well, how does that look? What are we? Can you give us any more, Apostle Paul? Sure. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Notice fair speeches, smooth talk, right? You know, it feels good. It's emotional speech is what it is. Flattery, telling people what they want to hear, not the truth, but what they want to hear, what makes them feel good. Of course they're going to come back because you told them something that made them feel good. And now that's what it's about. They deceive the minds of naive people. These are things we need to watch out for. Emotion. Truth versus emotion. So as we get back to these things next week, we need to integrate these things into our lives. It's not just, okay, it's interesting and entertaining to learn about the things that people have problems with. That's not the point here. The point here is to understand what it means for the spirit of truth to come and to give us all the truth. What does all the truth mean? Right? How should we understand the coming of the Holy Spirit? We should understand that God is going to augment what Jesus Christ has already told us. Christ is Lord, and as you're going to see, he is the one who's literally teaching us on the ground here through the ministry of God the Holy Spirit. we got much more to cover, and we will try next week to continue uh, along these lines. So bow your heads with me. Let's, let's pray. Thank you, Father. We appreciate who you are. We respect you, Father. We thank you for your perspective for giving us your truth, your word. And we thank you for the spirit of truth, which goes along with your word and tries to invade our conscious mind and to teach us what you are trying to tell us. We understand that the spirit searches all things, even the deep things that you have, and to tell us. And so, Father, we are in an expectant mode. We are wondering and, and hoping that we can continue to grow into all truth. And our posture is leaning forward to hear what you have to tell us. And not just what the word says, but what it means. So thank you, Father, for preserving your word to us. We thank you for those who are in this church and we're grateful for them. And Father, protect us while we're in this world. And we know it's tough down here. And there are those who are wearied in battle. Father, we pray for them at this hour. We pray for the church um, in this world, wherever they are, wherever, if whatever nation they find themselves in. And we pray that we will all be one, Father, uh, just as you are in us, that we were, are in you. Thank you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All of this we ask in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is in his name we pray. Amen.